Welcome to Transformers, the podcast about how business people and policymakers are creating a sustainable future. I'm your host, Kai Embren. Today's podcast looks into European dependency of fossil fuels and what the shift towards clean energy looks like. Russians war on Ukraine has exposed the price and negative side of consuming Russian oil and gas. The podcast is a summary of the seminar that took place on March 18. In the panel, Kadri Simpson, EU Commissioner of Energy, Anna Borg, CEO of Vattenfall Sweden, and Anders Egelrud, the CEO of Stockholm Exegy. The seminar was organized by SNS, Center for Business and Policy Studies, which is an independent non-profit organization that brings together the worlds of academia, business and government for knowledge sharing and dialogue on key social issues. Welcome. I will um, share with you three um, topics. First, the most pressing, the geopolitical situation uh, and war in Ukraine and uh, its implications on our energy sector. Second, our fresh Repower EU proposal, uh, which helps us as EU27 to move away from Russian fossil fuels and tackle the surge of energy prices that, um, that is uh, happening all across Europe, but also globally. And third, the next steps for the European Green Deal. With the help of uh, all 27 EU energy ministers, we gave a clear guidance to our transmission system operators to make it possible what seemed to be impossible uh, to emerge and to, uh, to proceed with emergency synchronization. And last, well, this Wednesday, two days ago, we managed to uh, synchronize Ukrainian and uh, Moldovan creed, with the European creed. And that actually gives us now the chance to support them so that all those millions who are still living in Ukraine uh, will be. Um, covered by, uh, by the access to electricity. And of course, we are also delivering supplies um, such as um, fuel, diesel, gasoline, jet fuel generators with the help of the energy community. And uh, we are setting uh, up an extraordinary effort to secure gas and coal supplies in the case if they will be cut off Russian transit and they will need reverse flows from Europe via Slovakia and Hungary. So the fate of Ukraine and the European Union in energy are more and more closely related and this brings me to the second theme. So um, the other work stream is to, um, to replace um, partially the fossil natural gas with renewables, what we will do. Um, and uh, indeed, already in 2020, we reached reach a share of 22% of our energy mix um, that was covered by renewables. Um, renewables are homegrown, they create jobs, um, they also spur innovation, and uh, thus this is strategic investment. That means that we, are, we will proceed the regular uh, procedures, but, uh, but you can expect well, ad hoc proposals from us just to be ready for this spring, this summer and next heating season. Will it be more difficult now to maintain the EU 
common EU uh, objectives concerning both energy and climate policy, bearing in mind th that the main member states face rather uh, different challenging, uh, which may be further aggravated by the current situation. On the contrary, I think that we will uh, face a situation where both member states and European Parliament will ask us to raise the ambition even uh, well to the higher levels because par partially we can replace uh, Russian imports with uh, renewables and partially we will meet our targets in energy efficiency faster than expected by launching massive uh, renovation campaign all across Europe. Uh, because 90 PCM, so 90, 90 billion cubic meters of gas every year is consumed by our building stock to heat homes. So th this is not happening here in Sweden. You do have uh, district heating um, systems, and uh, and where you do not don't have this, uh, you have you do use heat pumps. But uh, but uh, this is the one way to reduce our import import dependency, and that means that we will achieve the targets that we plan to achieve by 2030 significantly earlier. It's also important not to disrupt the market as such that has been driving the development of the fossil-free electricity and the low-emission technologies, because that we will need to an even larger extent. And uh, we know that there are many companies and financial institutions that want to invest, uh, maybe even to a higher regard now, because Europe and uh, renewable energy is seen as a safe haven compared to many other kind of investments right now quite sure that we both need new renewable electricity, but we also need to get away from utilizing electricity where we can utilize other resources. We are quite skilled of that in the Nordic countries. We can do that much more in European countries by developing also a new urban area district heating system, taking care of excess heat from data centers and whatever. Waste is another key issue in Europe. We are putting 100 terawatt hours of waste on landfills. 100 terawatt hours. How can we afford to put 100 terawatt hours of energy on landfill while we are dependent on Russian oil and gas? We need to address that issue. We need to touch that, call it also, area which are, from other perspective, of course, also sensitive. We need to recover more material, we need to reuse more material, but we need also to take into account reuse of energy is a huge transformation which we need to continue with. Bioenergy potential I mentioned. Only in Sweden we are utilizing 37% bioenergy in our system out of 300. We can utilize much more in a sustainable way and keeping biodiversity. Uh, and we need to do that and we need to speed up that use now. It can replace fossil fuels, it can replace electricity, it can replace other things which we need to do, and it can create also other additional advantages. We are uh, very happy that we have been appointed as one of seven flagship projects in Europe for CCS. We will build a CCS combined with our existing biofuel combined heat and power plant. From that we can decarbonize not only uh, <coughs> fossil fuel, we can also actually create a carbon sink with negative emission close to one million ton without using more resources.
And then just a well, um, couple of words about bio biomass. Well, um, we regard biomass when you use it in a sustainable way um, and, for example, heat your homes and especially when you um, generate uh, power and heat in co-generation power plants as uh, renewables. And, and this is a, a reason why in Northern Europe uh, member states don't question our targets for renewables in the uh, building sector because you know how to achieve this. Um, and uh, and uh, I absolutely agree that, uh, that uh, here in Sweden you handle your forests in a very sustainable way. So if uh, all, uh, all of us could say this um, about all the forests that we do have in Europe, then, uh, then we would be in safe side. So basically when we set targets, um, we are not planning the management of forests, no, but we will prioritize the same things that you do here. Use forest materials where they make sense. So if you have val valuable wood material, use it and uh, give it added value. And if you have residues, use it too. And, and uh, I guess this is a principle that you can agree and uh, that I will, uh, I will try to well explain to all my counterparts. Um, and and um, solid biomass is for sure uh, calculated as renewable. I think it's important to point out that the starting point is very different in different countries, and therefore it's also so important that the uh, sort of framework going forward is. Um, neutral from a technology point of view because all the fossil free technologies will be needed in order to meet this challenge and the solution will look slightly different depending on where in europe you are looking and in sweden so far i would say that we have quite a large competitive advantage because we have a lot of fossil free electricity and the electricity we are now adding is also fossil free that we will need natural gas as transitional tool, but well, step by step, partially, it will be replaced with uh, clean gases. And now with our Repower EU, we announced that we can um, scale up the production of biogas, for example, we can double it within a year. So everybody asked that uh, from where the, mm, what will you use uh, as a uh, feedstock to produce this, um, uh, this uh, biogas, uh, especially in the circumstances where food prices are growing and we don't know what will happen with Ukraine. Uh, well, we, we call it uh, European or global bread basket. Will they deliver uh, in the volumes uh, like they used to? But well, we have waste potential. We have residues in agricultural sector. We have um, in every city um, wastewater uh, management. Where, uh, where you could well uh, take care of it. Uh, and we, we have not just uh, um, started uh, these kind of financing uh, fin schemes because uh, there was no need. And well, at initial phase, it is a little bit more expensive than, than Russian gas that is delivered at this fixed price for uh, long-term contracts. So, uh, so yes, now we are forced to, well, to be innovative and, and to support well, all, the, uh, all the alternative productions that are available.
related to this, will the role of coal change in the short run, given uh, well the energy prices and also well the, <laughs> the ambition to to um, become independent from Russian oil and gas? Well, we still do have a couple of uh, member states who have not committed to phase out coal. So all 27 have committed to become climate neutral by uh, 2050, and I have no concerns that they will do so. But uh, but everybody um, um, decided their own pace. So, for example, Polish government negotiated with their unions, and they reached the agreement that in Poland the phase out of coal will happen. 2049, so 27 years to yeah. go. Um, so in this regard, this very moment when they still use coal as a, as a source to produce um, district heating or, or electricity, nothing happens, so they plan to do that. Um, and, uh, and this is a matter of fact that despite of very high ETS prices, Coal still provides cheaper solution than using natural gas at this at this um, moment of uh, of the year. Yeah, but I, I think we are in a very terrifying situation from from many perspective, and and if we really want to get rid of the dependency on fossil oil and fuel from from Russia, we need also to look into ourselves and see what kind of short term. Uh, actions could be valuable to do. I think, for instance, I, I guess that there will be a discussion in Germany about keeping the existing nuclear after 2022 for a while. Uh, I, I guess we need to address the possibilities actually to utilize coal with carbon capture uh, as a bridge which will be as efficient as natural gas. And I think we need to understand that we can utilize excess heat from so many areas in the European Union, but we have not the visionary side. We should invest in infrastructure which could take care of these kinds of energy sources in a much wider perspective. That could be supported from an EU perspective much, much more. Uh, and so, so when we are talking of ga gas also and, and biogas, the possibilities for biogas in Germany are tremendously good. So it should be supported much more, and it can replace also natural gas in a in quite extensive way. So again, there are different areas which we need to look upon, and if we are serious of getting rid of the Russian dependency, we need to actually look at every alternative seriously and see, okay, could it be, be a bridge? And the bridges we are talking about now, renewable electrification, hydrogen, it will not go as fast as it's needed. So we need to have other alternatives and complement it with it. So even if there is an exception both for gas and nuclear right now in the taxonomy, there is one important distinguishment between them, and that is that gas emits CO2, nuclear doesn't. There are other challenges with nuclear. I, I prefer the market mechanism to work, but I think that there are a lot of things that can be done in order to incentivize, for example, installation of of homes, etc., um, and I think that there are also many other aspects, maybe from a tax perspective, etc., which will steer investments in in different ways. But in order for industry in Europe to be competitive going forward, and also uh, sort of utilize the advantages and the competitive advantage we see with um, lowering the emissions, then uh, then this needs to be secured somehow.
would like to touch a bit on the EU strategy on energy system integration and, and how you think that that will be affected by the, the war in Ukraine. And also maybe ask this question if the current turn of events is a sign that more national energy self-sufficiency is in fact uh, something that we should strive for. Then the first one is to make sure that it, there is resilience enough in society in order to handle crisis from many different aspects. But I also think it's important to acknowledge that the fact that we live in an integrated Europe to a large extent has also shown to be a strength at this time. There would never have been this kind of unity around sanctions, actions, etc. if that had not been the case. So it's a matter again of being both uh, looking close at home and at the broader picture at the same time. Very true. And I think also if you're scared, you, you naturally keep everything close to you. Uh, and we are, everyone, I, I know at least, are, are scared a little bit what's happening now. And then we are taking everything closer to ourselves. But in a longer perspective, we need to be integrated between countries. But we also need to be, build resilience. There were two questions here from the audience. One was about, about the volatility. Volatility, will there be with renewables? And we need to handle that. And then we need to, we can build up resilience then by having local productions in cities, for instance, which can actually or more or less decrease the volatility with storage, with, with uh, also combined heat and power and things like that. But there is so many things which shows that we need to integrate the energy system as well. And trading between the European countries is also vital in the future and we, we will be more vital. I often discuss in Sweden when people think that, okay, we should protect ourselves because we have so low energy prices here. Okay, when we have much more solar in Germany and in Spain and in France, and they have lower prices, wouldn't you be happy then if we can import from those countries? So I think we need to understand that it's a dynamic mm. ongoing and we need to be integrated. That will give us more resilience over time. I'm Kai Embren. Follow me on Twitter and LinkedIn, where I will be announcing the future guests to this podcast. And you can expect about two programs a month. And each guest has a unique story of making business and society sustainable. So find out more. Visit my homepage, kaiembren.org. Thank you for listening.